Hello and welcome to another episode of My Wax Museum. I'm your host, Alex Williams, and today I'm joined by Neil Carter. In this conversation, we're covering Neil's university experience as a student and now as a professor. Particularly, we'll talk about the experiences that led him to becoming a professor. And remember, after today's show, to make five minutes today to listen intently to the people around you. Neil Carter, welcome to My Wax Museum. Thanks. It's great to be here. It is great to have you here. Like I mentioned beforehand, you are the third person of this certain sort uh, that that I've interviewed. I like to let the guests let everybody know how we know each other. So if you want to uh, fill the audience in on how it is that we know each other. So we go back several years now uh, when you kind of stumbled into my class <laughs> and um, didn't really know why you were there. Uh, but you were looking for some other options to, to kind of fill out your education. So you were there and, and uh, you, you had some different ways of looking at the world that not all my other students did. <laughs> and, and so, and you would, you were also a bit of an instigator and, <laughs> and we get students riled up. So, um, so then you became my teaching assistant mm -hmm. um, as part as a result of your participation. Well, only because of your participation in that class. Um, and then we worked on putting together a podcast for that class. So that was kind of fun. I, that was my first real experience with this kind of format. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. We go back several years. Yeah. I, I didn't realize it, it has been a while now and I talking, talking about the podcast, it's cool because out of everybody I've recorded with, I've probably recorded the most with you, but uh, pe people will never hear that because it's for a course that, that you teach, which is a political science course. It's comparative politics, which was a, r a really, really cool class. And it is, it is the perfect class for me to be an instigator uh, in and and I I do remember having a few heated conversations in that class, uh, but it's all all in good fun though I think right right and and one of the things that I really want is for the students to be able to express themselves well and to recognize that there are multiple points of view and that there's not necessarily the answer in the back of the book that they have to come to. So I really like that dialogue and that debate. Yeah, yeah. And and I thought that was definitely a highlight of the class was the teamwork, the dialogue, the debate, the conversations that, that we got to have. One thing that I remember in particular was the, the focus that you put on teamwork, that we were with this team, we were with this group for the entire semester. And uh and you made it really clear that those were the people we were to rely on and and look out for each other. And and we did. And as far as I know, we all passed. I I, I think we all did okay. Hopefully, um, but yeah, it was it was a great time. Um, but kind of moving on from how we know each other, we'll talk more probably about your university experience later on. But I want to talk. Where did you begin? Where were you born? So I was born in Colorado at the Air Force Academy, but hmm. I don't remember all of that. We were born in, uh, my, my dad was Air Force. So he moved around a lot until he went to Vietnam. And then we moved up to 
to northern New York where my grandparents were inheriting my grandmother's house. And so we moved my two of my uncles and my dad were all uh, sent out to Vietnam at the same time. Uh, so they all decided they'd move up to northern New York to be with family while while the while the men were at war and um, and so then my mom just stayed there. They actually found their house through a radio program um, and that was it was advertised on the radio program. And so we I grew up on the end of a mile long dirt road. The old, for most of the time, we were the only people on the road except for the other end of the mile-long dirt road. So we had 180 acres um, and grew up in this little tiny town, in, well, actually three miles out of the little tiny town uh, in northern New York. So grew up there through high school. Interesting. I think you might be the first person I've interviewed, one who was born at the uh, Air Force Academy, uh, for sure, and, and two, who grew up in rural New York. So tell me, tell me a little bit about what that whole experience was like. What was the area like? So it was, well, my, my high school, for example, our school had about 50 kids per grade, mm-hmm. uh, slightly less than that in, in a lot of them very uh, kind of a mixture of Irish and and French Canadian were the the main ethnicities um, and very rural uh, you kind of you kind of don't want to talk with your mouth open because then the mosquitoes might get in don't you know <laughs> um, and lots of mosquitoes lots of bugs uh, rural area a lot of dairy farming in that area at the time um, so you basically, you were in the same, same group of kids from kindergarten through high school. Uh, they divided, our class was divided up pretty much down the middle between kids that were going to go to college and kids that weren't. Um, and so, so, you know, if you, if you had good friends, uh, they were friends for life. If you didn't, you were kind of out of luck because there weren't a lot of other choices out there. Um, but uh, a lot of people have left the area because it it was pretty poor. Um, so and and that kind of rural rural areas. So grew up had had the same group of friends through through almost all the schooling. Interesting. Did you did you find you enjoyed the small town experience? Like, is that something you were you were really into, or did you have like this grand vision of of getting away and going to the city or something like that? Well, um, I was I was somewhat. By the time I hit high school, I was kind of so self conscious and and didn't feel like I fit in anywhere. Um, so, but then I when I went to college. Uh, went to State University of New York at Plattsburgh. Um, so that was a big jump for me. And then probably one of the best decisions I made was to to go and study in Paris for a year, which uh, extreme opposite um, of, you know, being in a, in a place where you didn't know anybody or, you know, and uh, 
so I think, you know, there were, there were times when I was like, I'm, there are things that I really like about the small town. And then there were times when I was just like, I need to get out of here and go away and do other things. Cause it was just, just a difficult place for me at the time. So, uh, great people there. They, they do care a lot, but a lot of what their interests were, weren't necessarily my interests. And so I was glad to get away and get to college where I had more in common with some folks. Yeah. So tell me about that. You, you move away, you go to college, you even studied abroad in, in Paris, which I think a lot of people think like, Oh, that's the dream. Like I'd love that. So walk me through the college experience a little bit. What was that like for you? Uh, first, first year was really tough. Um, first year, I mean, not so much academically, although, you know, it was roommates, that kind of thing was really tough. My first year I was in a suite and just got in with a different group than I probably should have been. And I was, again, it was kind of one of those things that I was too busy trying to get, trying to be seen as how I wanted to be seen rather than who I was. And so that was really tough. And then the the second year roommates kind of changed and I was in a a regular dorm with a hallway where I had, it was less intense and I could walk away from people if I wanted to walk away from them. Um, And so that worked better. Um, Also, I think also trying to figure out what I wanted to do was part of that issue. So I I started out, I was either going to be a pharmacist or an optometrist Hmm. until I hit organic chemistry. Um, (laughs) And then I decided that French would be a great major. Um, So, and looking for those different experiences. So I actually did three study abroads. I did the first one was a summer in Chukutimi, Quebec, um, to increase my French. And that was, I mean, it was one of the one of the biggest milestones of my life was back then we actually had to make collect calls because we didn't have cell phones and I didn't have any money. So I'd call collect and the operator, you know, you had to talk with the operator. And it was a big success when the operator did not switch to English mm-hmm. uh, when I... <laughs> In my poor, broken French, <laughs> as to make a collect call, um, so so that was a big thing. So that getting away, studying in France for the year was was great. Um, I kind of made a pact that I made most of the way that I would not speak any English to anybody until we had one of the other students that was panicking and she couldn't speak. French very well and she was like at the point of almost being suicidal so I broke my my vow of not speaking any English to help her out um, but uh, that was a really good experience and then I went back to Plattsburgh for a semester and then I went up and studied at um, Carleton University in Ottawa and did the study abroad there and also worked with the at the time, it was the Canadian Department of External Affairs. Started out in the academic relations office, and they got switched to the historical section. So got to do some research there. What kind of research did you end up doing there? So the big thing was, well, there was one time when I was, 
I was going through like the 1950s Canada India relationships and and making photocopies of these top secret uh, documents until the son of a former prime minister who shall remain nameless walked in and threw a fit that there was an American looking through secret documents. Um, <laughs> and so then I got switched to a, a book that they were putting together on heads of mission abroad. So I was researching, doing a lot of stuff at the Privy Council on researching who the ambassadors were, when they were appointed, how long they were there, all of those kind of things. That is super interesting. Okay, yeah. Okay, okay, that's really cool. See, before we we were talking and, and you said, I'm a very ordinary person. And uh, and I think there's no way, you know, you, you've done things, you've seen things, you've photocopying secrets, you know, come on, right? Uh, so it's, tell, tell me where... The problem, was, the problem was I didn't have time to read them. Um, so I was just photocopying them for the most part. That's a lot less interesting. That's true. That, that's there true. Was, yeah. One day, I think I went through three reams of paper, and it was individual photos. So it was like the six-part process to make a photocopy. That was a machine. Hey, future Alex here. Just popping in to mention that My Wax Museum does, in fact, have an Instagram page, and it's awesome. I post bonus content there regularly. Other questions that the guest answered that don't get included in the interview, and they always give some pretty interesting answers. Now, you can go and find that on Instagram. Our handle is at My Wax Museum. Super easy, and we have some super cool stuff coming up in the new year, so make sure you stay tuned for that. Now, back to the show. Where did you end up going from there? Like what kind of career path did that lead you into? So then I got really interested in, in study abroad. I was like, this is a great thing. I want to learn more about it and do more with it. So I was kind of floundering a little bit, um, still majoring in French, uh, but not knowing what I was going to do with French. Cause like I said, I'm very self-conscious about my accent and, was very nervous about making mistakes. So I didn't take the risks that you really need to take to really learn the language as well. Um, I'm getting better at that, but it's still really tough. Um, and, and so then I, Plattsburgh had a three plus two program where you do three years at, at Plattsburgh and two years at what's now the Middlebury Institute at Monterey. It was at the time Monterey Institute of international policy studies or international studies. And I did international policy studies with a specialization in French there. So that was two years. Um, and in between the two years, I went back and did an internship in Ottawa where I was at the U.S. Embassy there. And I was thinking about maybe a career in diplomacy. Uh, my grandfather at the time was calling me the diplomat. Um, <laughs> but then I realized if I had to move every three years, I would probably never have any friends because it takes me about that long um, to really make friends and feel comfortable around people. So, so then when I was at Monterey, we had this one uh, professor, Frank Tady, um, who you will recognize from our mm -hmm. class because that's the capital city is named after him mm -hmm. um, in our fictive country. 
but he asked us a question. And as I was pondering the question, I went to his office hours and said, you know, here's, here's my rough idea. And it was so rough. It was, it was awful. And he said, that's a really interesting idea. You should present it on Monday. And so on Monday I taught the class and he just looked at me after and he said, you found your calling. Hmm. Um, and so I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, you, you're a teacher. And I was like, seriously? Um, and my sisters were both teachers, but I had never really thought of myself going that route. Um, so that was kind of an eye opener. So, and then following up on that, I looked at, at PhD programs. So I wound up at Syracuse University um, studying comparative politics and, and political inquiry were my main fields. That is really cool. That is really interesting. So did you, did you take to that when, when he said, you know, you're a teacher, you gotta, you gotta go ahead with that. How did you take to that? Was there a little bit of a, you know, refusal of the call or was it right on board? I think it was right on board. Um, and it kind of reminded me of this other time when I was in one of the earlier French, well, it was kind of a middle level French class. And we were asked to, is explication of text. And so we had this poem and he's like, you've got to do this, this form to explain this poem. And he was expecting like a five minute, and most of the students did a five minute presentation. And I took the entire 45 minutes <laughs> or 50 minutes or however long it was. Yeah. And I wasn't really done. And he cut me off. And he's like, um, this little guy, Dr. Braga, who is, um, you know, this Portuguese Canadian and, he just kind of looked at me, wagged his finger, and said, "If vous avoir se limiter. You have to know to limit yourself." But then, but then, and I was feeling really bad because I thought that I had destroyed it. But then, we were at a reception for the honors program, and like a couple of days later, and he started talking about this presentation that I had given. I'm like, "Oh, you mean that wasn't bad?" Um, so, I think I realized that that. That's good for me. I'm not quite funny enough to be a stand-up comic, mm-hmm. um, but this way I get new recruits for to listen to my really bad jokes, and and um, you know it keeps me entertained, mm-hmm. and I'm learning all the time, and I get paid to do this, so I I enjoy it a lot. Sometimes I struggle with the grading and trying to keep on top of everything because they have all these great ideas for students to do, and then. I get caught up in, oh, I've got to grade that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm looking for ways to avoid that in the future if I can. Yeah, more more TAs. Just have, have them them do all, all the grading. They can take care of that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that... yeah. But then, you do, then I do miss out on the giving feedback. Yeah, right. Uh, right. What I really think is important. So it's, yeah. it's a tough balance. Yeah. So... Tell me a little bit about where where you formed your teaching philosophy, because I think that's something that I noticed when I was in your class was that you you were different than the other professors. You know, you had some ideas about it. You cared about the way that you were teaching and you cared that, you know, it was being as impactful as possible and benefiting the students. Where did you develop your teaching philosophy and what is it? That's a great question. I think part of it is 
Um, when I look back on those events that shaped who I am or that were really impactful, uh, there's another, and I minored in Canadian studies. So uh, there's another Canadian studies class of Canadian history. And I, you know, I don't remember much about the class, except we had a simulation that we had to do where it was the, the constitution negotiations uh, for Canada in like the late 1970s, early 1980s. And I, I played Claude Ryan. Uh, they, he was the liberal leader of Quebec and I wound up going against the entire class during the simulation um, to represent the Quebec point of view. And I probably was closer to the, to the Parsi Québécois viewpoint, but the René Levesque was, I don't know, I think he was out smoking cigarettes or something. Um, the guy who was playing René Levesque. So I felt like that position needed to be heard. Um, and and that was impactful. Um, the giving the explanations, teaching those things, uh, those were the things that I remembered. And I mean, when I was a student, I would go to class, and I usually do the first set of readings. And if the professor read or gave the notes that were a summary of the reading, I would just stop reading. Uh, and I'd go to class because that was much more efficient because I'm a pretty slow reader. Um, and I didn't learn stuff from those classes. I mean, I did, but it didn't mean much. Right. And so, so that was what was impactful. Um, I think also when I was in high school, I took college level calculus class and I would go nuts because I'd be trying to get the right answer that's in the back of the book. Mm -hmm. And then the next day, Mr. Brown would say, Oh, by the way, these questions had the wrong answer. Those were the ones that I had skipped dinner trying to figure out. (laughs) Um, And, and so I wanted something that I could kind of realize that it is complex and there's not necessarily a right answer. And then I think having been a major of French with kind of Canadian studies minor and I got a smattering of politics. By the time I got into political science, I was aware that it was way more complicated than I would ever be able to wrap my head around. And so I didn't have the right answers in my mind. And my views have changed over time. And I I do like, like we were talking earlier, I see multiple perspectives and I can see how people could come to those conclusions reasonably. And I find that process fascinating. So I want to help the students experience that, that rather than kind of, well, this is my tribe. And so I've got to stick with them right or wrong. Do you have any good examples of when you know you were able to communicate that to students and kind of saw the, you know, that moment where they're like, oh, it's more complicated than I thought? You know, there, there comes this to mind back when I was teaching at St. Bonaventure University, um, was teaching, I can't remember whether it was international relations or comparative politics. And one of my students was getting more and more frustrated 
And finally she said, why should we even care? Hmm. I think I literally took a step back or two and I started talking about why it matters that, you know, that we're informed about conflicts and slavery and abuse and hardships elsewhere. Um, why it matters that we understand migration or people who are forced into refugee situations, what the humanity of it is hmm. and, and why it matters that we should be able to see multiple perspectives of what's happening. And that was, you know, you get, that was one of those times that you could see and you could feel the difference it made. I think other times, you know, I got a postcard uh, from one of my students who was like, I am sitting at a campfire reading, uh, and I think it was John Stuart Mill's On Liberty again. I am so glad that you made us read the entire thing rather than just a quick passage, right? So those those are just little things that come to mind. And there's a lot of times in class where you just get those feelings and you see them um, start to say, oh, I get it now. And one of my favorite comments that I got from a student, um, it was kind of at the end of, end of, I think I had had him for three or four classes. And he kind of stopped and he said, Dr. Carter, before I met you, I had opinions. <laughs> and, and I just took that as a compliment because mm -hmm. I, he meant that he was opinionated rather than he had informed opinions and, and could see multiple sides. So so those are a couple of the, the highlights. That's got to be really satisfying to see, you know, this thing that you've worked so hard to communicate that, when that takes. And uh, yeah, I, I definitely found that in your class. Um, I found at the beginning of the semester when you'd ask us questions, we would jump to the conclusion. We'd say, oh, well, this is the answer. This is how you solve the problem. Like, easy, easy. And then by the end of the semester, we're, well, you got to consider this. And, well, it's this country, and I know they operate this way. And, well, you know, and there's a lot. We, we began to see how much more complicated things are. So I certainly think you, uh, you succeeded with a lot of us, uh, hopefully. <laughs> Good to know. So, of course, you 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 are teaching now. Do you have do you have any um, big plans for the future? Anything that you really want to see happen with with your life going forward? I think a couple things. Uh, teaching is is the thing that I really like to do. Um, I'm also in the process of certifying as a trainer consultant for team-based learning. And so it's, I find it to be a really rewarding uh, method of teaching. So I'm in the process, beginning stages of certifying as a, as a trainer consultant in that. Um, I still would like to write a TBL bare bones guide to comparative politics um, that's based in team-based learning and gives students uh, and faculty a way of teaching it that is more dynamic that they can care about and learn um, learn how to do comparative politics rather than just learn about countries. Yeah. So those are a couple of the goals. I, I like that. I think those are good 
good goals to have, and it's a, kind of a natural progression to, to what you're doing already, which is great. Now, I have just one last question for you, and that is at the end of your life, when you're looking back on everything you've accomplished, everything you've done up to now and, and moving forward as well, what do you think are going to be the things you look back on with the most pride and pleasure? So I think that ultimately um, we've been talking a lot about work in the profession and, you know, the, the academics. Um, but most important is my faith. Um, so if I can keep the faith and, and remain strong in my religious commitments and with my family, I would love to serve a mission later on in life. Um, didn't get a chance to do that when I was younger because um, I joined the church when I was in grad school, which is not something that most people would do. Um, but that that's probably the top priority then. Um, my children, um, you know, the care and the, and the concern and how, how my kids turn out will be right up there with that. And then, then I would say, when I look back in my life, it will be the question of, did I make a difference in the lives of students? Did I help them seek the truth? Did I help them find the answers to life's meaningful questions? Did I help them figure out how to, how to find the answers and how to seek? If I can do that, my life will not have been in vain. I really like that and uh, really appreciate it. Um, I think all of that, you know, important things to strive for and uh and to do because I, I i think it's a process too um and it's ongoing so with that i just want to say thank you very much for joining me you're welcome it's been a pleasure and thank you for listening not just to the show which we certainly do appreciate but more so to the people around you the people from your everyday life that you just happen to know Make five minutes today to listen intently to the people around you. Mecco.